Listening Dog Media. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Muddy Knees Media. The Offside Rule Exclusives. Emil Heskey played 62 times for England, made 150 appearances for Liverpool and over 150 for Leicester, winning four League Cups, an FA Cup, a UEFA Cup as well in the process. Heskey has represented his country at the 2002 and later the 2010 World Cup, Euro 2004 and at club level has scored 110 times in the Premier League, placing him 22nd in the all-time rankings. And now he's even released a book. Even Heskey scored to tell his story, which he now also shares with us here on the Offside Rule. The Offside Rule exclusives with Kate Borsay and Lindsay Hooper. I'm pleased to say that we are joined in the studio by Emil Heskey. Kate and I here, having devoured your book in a matter of days, we had like a, a reading contest. A speed read, didn't we? Yes, <laughs> we did. Um, and I wanted to start, Emil, first of all, with your, your earliest footballing memory and what mm. springs to mind. Playing-wise, it's just I actually preferred athletics. Loved just running, sprinting. Um, I used to race people up and down the school, school uh, playground all the time. And then I went to secondary school, not secondary school, junior school. And because I moved from one area to another and I went to, uh, and obviously you moved schools and everything and went in there and uh, they put a ball in front of me. And I was obviously quicker than everyone else. And just, I was okay at dribbling. I found myself good at dribbling with the ball and moving it from uh, one foot to another. So they just left me and let me play. And I always played a year above. And that was my first memory of playing football, uh, actually playing football for a team. I didn't do that till a lot later on, partly because of the Christian faith. You go Sunday school, mm. um, church on Sunday and the Sunday school, and that never played Sunday football until later on, uh, where they kept on begging my dad and begging my dad and say, all right, take him, go on. <laughs> I have him. Yeah. You joined Leicester's Academy, which 
in this day and age is a really big deal to be mm. part, you know, to be signed with a football academy is like, right, this kid's destined for great things. We know it doesn't happen for a large number of kids. We don't hear so much about them. But we, we, we do hear about the success stories. Mm-hmm. Was it a big deal back in those days for you to be? Um, yeah, it was. It was it was a little bit different. It was it was um, a centre of excellence, we'll say. It yeah. wasn't quite academies like what it is now. And they'd gather a, a group of kids who were possibly the best in that in that city and surrounding uh, little towns and stuff. So you'd gather them all together and then slowly down the years you'd just get smaller and smaller until you've got a select number of players. And yeah, I I just loved play. I just loved uh, sports in general. Mm. Uh, I played table tennis. uh, I did pool. And you get this competitive streak about you and you don't want to lose. You never want to lose on anything. So you'd come back, get good at table tennis, get good at badminton. But football was my thing and uh, went there, I think it was Tuesday, Thursday and plays and played on Saturdays. As someone who was very sporty, I, I was pretty sporty as well, but I never found my area of excellence, if you mm-hmm. like. Were you were you really relieved when you found football and thought, no, this is the thing that I can go right to the very top with? I played everything and I was <laughs> good at everything. Oh, you were that one. Yeah. Annoying. <laughs> um, I, because I was so quick... Um, mm. We played a little bit of basketball. I just didn't get the grasp of the actual shooting part of it. But the, everything else was fine. And then tennis, I didn't quite like. Table tennis, I was good at. I used to play table tennis. Yeah, I loved I, it. Yeah, I loved table tennis. Then uh, it's a pool. Mm. I used to love pool. We used to have like a little um, youth centre. And yeah. they had all that in there. Um, they'd go in the gym, you'd go in the pool, you'd go and play uh, uh, table tennis, you'd go and play the arcade games. Then then there was a little football court, so most of the time you're on that. Then uh, they had karate, they had uh, kickboxing. So you'd join in in everything. So from hearing that, I'm going to change my question to yeah. how did you get channelled to football? Because if you've got that sort of mind that's loving all that variety, mm-hmm. it's quite difficult to yeah, come Yeah, because football was the one that was being played all the time, everywhere. So um, my dad was cricket or more cricket orientated. Um, so we play, I played a little bit of that, but that was kind of a summer thing where football you play every time, all, all day, every day. And uh, so that was the game that kind of just I gravitated to because you're just doing it all the time. Yeah, and athletics is uh, was more seasonal as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was just the one that was played all the time. So that was the one we gravitated to. What were you like as a kid, personality-wise? Uh, quiet. Very quiet, um, just kept myself to myself, didn't really bother anyone if you didn't know I was there. You'd just think, oh, when did he pop up? Mm. <laughs> because Cause I was you're, just... cause you're quite a physical presence, yeah, you're what, yeah. six foot two, yeah, six tall one, guy. Yeah. Were you always, did quite... you always have that stature? So it, uh, no, that, Kind that... of like a gentle giant thing. Yeah, I, I was big, but I wasn't huge, I, I, when I say huge, I wasn't. I think I started to get big around 15, 16. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I was a big size then. I was this size, basically. Do you think people expected you to be shy? No, no. They expected me to be loud, because I'm a big lad. Yeah. So when I went in, but it helped, in a sense, when I went into the youth team and stuff like that, if you're loud, especially back then, I don't know if I could say it, but you're getting it. <laughs> <laughs> and especially now, you look at um, kids going into the first team and stuff like that, initiations and stuff like that. I just kept myself to myself. Mm. And even like, uh, I I was talking about it to someone uh, the other day. When you you were a kid and you were doing jobs, we used to have to do jobs around uh, for YTS. When you go to a uh, a first team dressing room, you knock and you wait. And you wait until someone actually tells you to come in. Uh, They don't do that now. But this is a shame, isn't it? I think. Because you've obviously cleaned 
clean boots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, um, I was uh, Gary Parker's. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was Gary Parker's boots. Um, yeah, so yeah, it, it, it is a shame, but I understand what they, why, why, why they're saying it, they they got rid of a lot of that because we used to have to clean the the, the dressing rooms, clean the toilets. We used to do everything. The stadium. I understand because it's got nothing to do with football. But it has. Ah, oh, but it has it. Yeah, it has in a way because it keeps you grounded and it keeps you f- humble. Respect. And, and you respect. know what it takes. Yeah. Because then you have targets. You know, one day someone's going to be cleaning my boots. Yeah, and I'll take that next yeah. step. Yeah. Yeah. So this growth spurt that you were going through from about 15 onwards mm-hmm. coincides with the growth that you were having throughout the Leicester mm-hmm. teams. And you, and you made your way all the way through to the first team. Mm-hmm. You played under Martin O'Neill in, in, in a period which will go down in, in history forever. But I wanted to challenge you, first of all, your thoughts that looking back now, everyone talks about it as the world's greatest pub side. And I thought, do you find that insulting? No. No? It's true. <laughs> if you ever saw how we how, how we did things, you'd be like, how did they win so much? How, how, how did they? But it was just a team camaraderie. We knew we, we trained hard, but we played hard as well. Mm. And that was part and parcel of the, that football era as well. You know, you, 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 you played hard, but off the field you worked hard as well. Because <laughs> you were playing with a lot older players. Yeah, and of course, yeah. that was that really was the norm. Mm-hmm. And you're quite interesting because you're a player who's sort of intergenerational, really, in mm-hmm. terms of that hardcore going out all the time. So then in your later career, you know, pr- probably the latter years of Liverpool onwards, where it does get a lot more professional well, wear, well, nutrition and, and stuff, it all comes into you it. You say Liverpool onwards. I was only 22 when I went yeah, to Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Still a kid. Yeah. And that's what people forget. Like, um, And that was when I saw the change. I went from, and it, it, it's a change for good and sometimes a, uh, for bad because I went from a, a pre-season where you, you, you train until you, you nearly throw up uh, to a pre-season that was really structured and you can't run more than this because of your heart rate. And, and I, always, I always used to challenge myself. You kind of, put, you kind of push yourself to that edge, mm. really to the edge. And, and then you get, uh, uh, your heartbeat could be uh, well over 180, 190 up there but they don't want you there they want you uh, especially when you're um, when you wear the heart monitor it's 160 160 170, uh, 150 160 170 but I was way, way past that at times when you're running when mm. you're really putting yourself over the edge and I quite liked that because it made me feel a certain way but then when you go to uh, when I went to Liverpool and everything's monitored and you've got your minutes and you've got this it, it, it was hard to take at times. Mm. You had people coming in for you before that move at 22. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember seeing you, I think there's a picture actually in your book of it, at a, a press conference where you're, you're sat alongside Martin O'Neill and very happy to be signing a new contract. Mm-hmm. And that was all coming from you. You know, you speak to Martin after that and he's like, you know, no one was applying pressure to Emil. He wanted to stay at that mm-hmm. point, even though people were circling. Well, um, at 16, I could have left. But I hadn't, I hadn't played a game. Uh, I hadn't played a game, so I hadn't done anything in my eyes, and I knew what I could do. So I was, I had had it in my mind that let me get into the first team first, and then see what happens from there. I knew I was, I was only a matter of time from from the first team, and and I, I just wanted to play for Leicester first before I go and and, and explore. Mm. At Leicester. Two League Cups mm-hmm. and some magical times. Mm-hmm. The first League Cup final must go down as one of those. Well, in fact, I'm going to rewind a little bit in terms of gaining promotion. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're at Leicester, uh, championship side, and then suddenly promotion, Premier League. Yeah. That 
was your, I guess, your first real taste of footballing success on a big scale, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely. Going to cup final, going to Wembley, which mm, well, is a yeah. cup final. Going to Wembley, being there with all your fans, seeing the sea of blue when you're actually coming up Wembley Way and stuff like that. It's totally different now than what it was then. Obviously, the fans were all over the stadium outside and, and you see them, you're driving through them, you're trying to get through them. Trying not to run anywhere Yeah, either. exactly. <laughs> and then, you, then you're coming into the changing rooms, big, huge changing rooms, then going out into this big, grand uh, stadium. And and eventually winning that against Crystal Palace. I mean, it was um, Steve Clarish scoring the goal. And it's funny because I got fouled. The, the free kick went up. I think Steve Walsh headed it back and then he volleyed it. But I was I was fouled for the free kick. So I actually went off, didn't go off injured, but come off the pitch, come back on. And I didn't realise they'd made a substitute and take it, um, put Zelko Kalach in goal because he was like six foot nine. Kevin Poole was probably at six one. And you it, hadn't noticed the same. Honestly, I didn't even notice it. It wasn't until like a year or two later. And I was like, well, when did he come on the pitch? <laughs> Who's that? Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, but that that was great. A great day as well, you know, a great day out. And then, obviously, going up and generally, and it's still done now, whoever comes up is the favourite to go down. Mm. Um, so we were favourite to go down and look, it is what it is. We had a really good bond. We had a really good group of players. The the gaffer always uh, made some good signings as well along the way mm. that, that added to that environment. And... Uh, to finish top half of the table and go to a cup final, well, win a cup final is good as well. Yeah, win a cup final. So you, you get a trophy. Yeah, you get two trophies with Leicester. Mm-hmm. And then I suppose you're starting to think at 22 that this is pr- perhaps the right time to move. Yeah. And it feels like Liverpool was such a good fit for you. But there was something that you underestimated to do with the move to the club. And tell us what that was. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's a huge club and they'd been circling for a while and other clubs had been, been around and... Um, it's funny because Gerald Houllier bought me and I played up front with Mar- uh, with uh, Michael Owen uh, for my England under 18, so he would have been 16 at the time. And um, he was uh, he was the manager of French- the French under 18s then, had Henri, Anelka, Trezeguet, Galas, Silvestri. Uh, they had some Dattles, Mandabo. Yeah. So yeah, it had, had all them players in it and uh, he became Liverpool manager, but always looked at when we played together for England under 18 so then he decided that we was gonna he was gonna buy me so went there and uh obviously I'm a young lad I've never I've never moved out of I've never moved out of Leicester so gone there and the 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 size of the club is obviously huge but you know about that but then one of the things that struck me was I got criticized for wearing a tracksuit in a press conference but I didn't know no one had told me no, no one had wrote me that letter that needed to tell me that note that says make sure you wear a suit and tie so I went there with a sponsored Puma I think it was at the time tracksuit and, and cap and got criticised yeah. probably the only person who's ever been told off wearing a tracksuit in Liverpool I mean it's hardly <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's hardly an unusual thing is it the Offside Rule exclusives arrived at Liverpool earlier than you were meant to be so you kind of reveal this in your book that there was kind of an agreement in place for quite a while before you actually went yeah I think it was the uh, the year before there was an agreement or, or halfway through the year there was an agreement that I'd go at the end of the season mm. um, and then they kind of fast forwarded that because we were, they were chasing um, Champions League Champions League yeah, uh, yeah. so I they think brought Leeds, you in. I think Leeds got it in the end and you were a record signing mm-hmm. 
Did you feel that weight on your shoulders? No. Mm. And I think it was good because I was young. Mm. I didn't didn't overthink things. Yeah. And I think that's what that's the great thing about young have, having some young lads in your in your squad or in your team or something like that. They don't overthink things. They just do. All right, I know I can I know I play well. I know I can do this this. All right, give me the ball, let me do this this. And that's it. Yeah. They don't even think overthink it. It's when you get a little bit older and you start oh, thinking, oh yeah, but if I pass that ball there and I give it away, oh, and this this and this is gonna happen, and they start running that running that in their mind. Where young lads, they don't, they actually, that doesn't actually go into their mind about giving the ball away. If they give the ball away, oh, I'll get it back. You can definitely aim that at the current England side, or mm. you know how that how Sancho that innocence of youth. Look yeah. at Jaden Sancho. Doesn't overthink things. He just knows what he's good at. Does it. Yeah. If he gives it away, he gets it back and does it again. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you know true. these these players. Uh, uh, you know Raheem. Even though we say he's he's still young, was he twenty five, twenty six? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, Mid twenties. He's, he's been around sure. for like fifteen years already. Yeah. <laughs> Feels like it. That was the case as well with Michael Owen. It felt yeah, at the yeah. time, but he came at sixteen. Yeah, so sixteen year old, and you had this amazing relationship where you've got this understanding as a as a strike partnership, which we don't see many mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that he later on in your career is sort of calling for you back with England as well and, and he's a big part of, of the way that your career pans out later on in life. <laughs> was there a part of you that was seeing Michael Owen who scored that goal that we all remember that then got talked about but he's doing that because of you as well, the way that you've set up goals yeah, and worked together? I think I think you, you, you need a collective team to do anything. Um, he plays his role. Within that, he's the he's the final he's the final part of the jigsaw. Within that, and we all play our play our role. And I was pretty happy to play my role within that system. I, you know, it, it it never really bothered me that anyone was getting more accolades. And as long as I can show that I what I've done and my trophies and everything, I'm yeah. I'm fine with that. Um, well, you set up a lot of goals in your career. Yeah, look, it, it was it was about what I was good at. And I knew I was good at that. I knew I I could score goals. I could score a fair share of goals. Mm. And I did that and I did the rest well as well. And this is why people, when it came to management, they looked upon me favourably than possibly others. That, yes, they might score you one or two goals, but in the long run, what are they going to actually give you? Team player, yeah. Yeah. So I understood that. I enjoyed that part of it. I enjoyed the rough and tumble of it. I enjoyed putting myself about for others. And this was me. What was it like walking into that Liverpool side? So we've got, who have we got there? We've got Michael Owen, Robbie Fowler. Mm-hmm. We've got Jamie Stephen Gerrard, Jamie Redknapp. Um, Carragher's there as Carragher, well. Yeah. Carragher I knew, I knew from England. Me and Carragher, it's funny story, me and Carragher played together. England under 16s. I was on the bench, he was up front. <laughs> he was up front? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hang on a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, this feels like a stupid question, but was he any good? <laughs> no, no, good, very good player. Very, very good player. So, it's funny because when they, when you fast forward and go to under 18s and I'm seeing, seeing him play at the back, I'm like, what, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> what, what was the dynamic then like when you walked into Liverpool? Was um, there a job to do? Did you? No, I was just I was just another part of a jigsaw because there was very some top England internationals, mm. top, uh, you know, you've got Stefan Hencho, you've got Sami Hippia, Titi Kamara, you've got all these players who are in and around na- other national teams and doing well. So it was just about blending in with them. And it's funny because I, got, I went from Leicester um, where you don't, in training it's fierce, but it's not overly, you know, you don't really tackle that hard and no sliding and all that. The only fierce day that we had was Friday, which is, which is funny because it's the day before a game, but it was young v old. 
and uh, and it's for the yellow jersey. So whoever's the worst player, you get to vote for the worst player, <laughs> and it's young and, and uh, <laughs> you have to wear a jersey with all sorts of. Writing all I think over I read it. about this. So this is at Leicester, isn't yeah. it? And, and this involves a really stinky yellow yes, shirt. Never, get, never gets washed. <laughs> Just Be- minging. Yeah. And people add their names on it and then you write stuff all over it. So you don't want to win that. So you've it's fierce. That's the only day that was really fierce. But every day was at Liverpool. Every at, day was fierce. Oh, when I first, the first day I got there, Stefan Encho slide tucker uh, straight through the back of me. I'm like, <laughs> Hello there, well, What happened? <laughs> <laughs> No time to breathe. <laughs> no tackling. So England is concurrent with your Liverpool career as mm-hmm. well. Um, you've had many different England managers. So throughout the list and in your book, you go through talking about Glenn Hoddle, Peter Taylor, Howard Wilkinson, Kevin Keegan, Sven, uh, Steve McLaren, and then Fabio Capello mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Of all of those, who brought out the best in you? I liked Sven. I liked Sven. He was uh, very calm. Um, I look, I can deal with ranters and ravers, but uh, I, I prefer the calmer ones. Who was the ranter and raver at that bunch then? Um, we never really had any in in, uh, in England as such like that. Uh, Martin could have, could go off. Martin O'Neill, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ma- yeah, Martin yeah. could go off if you if you really if you really push him. Uh, Fabio, just uh, I think it's more Italian culture. And ah, you know, pas- very passionate. But yeah, I, I preferred Sven. He was very calm. He, was, he, he would move. The, he, he would get like a little clipboard, moving pieces around, so you understood where, what, everything he that he wanted to do. Then we go over it in training. Then he'd go go back over it, and everything was, you know, precise. So I, I enjoyed that. So in in that evolution of you going through all those teams, I mean, the the players that you you'd been with, you know, you look at Paul Scholes, David Beckham. Uh, David Seaman, mm-hmm. uh, Michael Owen, who we've mentioned already, and you're all quite young men when you're starting with England, and then you're settling down, getting girlfriends, wives, children along the way as you're plotting through all the way through to Fabio Capello, and you've, you're working with completely different players by the end. Mm-hmm. What how, what did you make of all of that at the time, trying to have that personal life as well as at that point, a lot of expectation on your shoulders from an England point of view. I mean, Beckham being a, a, the most famous example, I suppose, it was his relationship that would have been ongoing with Victoria at the time and all of that going on. I didn't mind it, to be honest with you. It was part and parcel of life. So um, it was difficult in a sense that you just don't, you're just not a normal person that can just go and do whatever he wants to do. Um, and it's still now, you know, you, you'll uh, you'll be on the train or you'll be somewhere and someone will be taking a picture of you. Instead of coming and asking you to take a picture, they'll just be taking a picture of you. <laughs> mm. uh, but you can ask, it's no problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you must have had to get used to that no, you get, before yeah, these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah pointing yeah. to my camera phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you get used to it, um, you know, from a, from a very young age. And it, it's, it's, it's strange at first because especially someone keep looking at you. Where do I know him from? Yeah, like <laughs> so as, if, a, as a seventeen-year-old lad, eighteen-year-old lad. You know. So Kate and I have known each other a long time, and mm-hmm. we, we've worked together at Sky, and then we've done this podcast together, and we sort of know each other's personal life stories. Is is that something that you'd share? Because you know, with the Heads Up campaign being quite prevalent at the moment, mm-hmm. I'm wondering that you know, in, in the dressing room with all those big characters, whether you shared things with each other, or whether you were all quite private and separate. <laughs> It, it, it went. It depended on the group that you're with. Um, so I, I, I put it in the book that I, when I was at Leicester, it was more family orientated. When I went to Liverpool, it it felt like business. Mm. Um, so you'd be at the club and everyone would be friend uh, there. But then once you leave, it's kind of see you later. But then you come back and then you're there together. Mm. And like I said, I, I said it again. I, I found that a little bit difficult at first because I'd gone from 
being with all the lads, we go to lunch together and then you've gone and then you probably have a drink later together and you go and have dinner together after the game and stuff like that. So it was all as a group. Mm. Um, we, we're currently doing, was it the 20th year um, from the last time we won the League Cup? Um, we're supposed to be getting together for that as well. So, you know, it's just little things that you organise together. But uh, So that Leicester life was really tight-knit. And yeah, it was more of a family. All quite involved yeah. in each other's lives. Yeah. And when you got to Liverpool, as you say, it was more business-like. Yeah. And, and you found it quite isolating, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, it was tough. It was tough. I was only 22. Yeah. Um, I'd never... I'd moved out of my mum's house, but I'd moved around the corner. So it was kind of... It wasn't outside. It wasn't out of my mum's house, really. You know, it was around the corner. That's, the washing and the dinners. Yeah, yeah, it's not right. <laughs> this is the Offside Rule from Muddy Knees Media. I'm going to pick out a few things that you've gone on to mention in the book because we, we know quite a lot about your career. I mean, th- there's lots that you cover in this. You know, when you signed for Villa, having played for Birmingham, brave man. Um, last day relegation escape as well with Wigan is in there. You'll move to Australia. Unfortunately, we haven't got forever to be able to chat. So I've just picked out a few points. Yeah, go on. The, the Michael Owen talking to Steve McLaren. <laughs> you said you were really surprised when you got that phone call. Yeah, I didn't expect the phone call. When you look at the actual squad, they they, they had the squad. Mm. They had players. So to add another player, you're like, well, why would they do that? But um, it was funny because I got the phone call and and, I, and I'd seen the number. I'm like, who is this? Answered it. And uh, hi, Emil, it's Steve. All right, Steve. Uh, Steve McLaren. thinking... Do I hang up? <laughs> you just don't believe it. No, because him. within football, yeah, these are pranks that happen all the time. <laughs> the amount of times that we've had um, players, we're on the we're on, we're on the bus, we're on the bus going to games, and there's an app that you can do where you text people. That, uh, back then, it was you would text people, and it and the app would be able to text a, text a player like it's the manager texting them. I need to see you down at the front of the front of the bus. <laughs> so they walk down to the front of the bus to stand there, and the manager's there looking at him. <laughs> and had you fallen for this a few times? I'd never, never, no, never. Okay. But I'd seen it a couple of times because by then I was a, I was a, 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 a mid senior player, so they wouldn't try that with me. But they did it a lot with the younger lads. So when Steve's chatting to you, you're thinking, surely they're not trying this someone's, now. Someone's, someone's, someone's having me on, but it happens all the time. Um, so I, I, but I carried on. I was like, okay, uh, yeah, how you, how you doing, Steve? You okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, spoken to Michael, blah blah. Would love to have you in the squad. And was, oh, great, yeah, wonderful. Yeah, I'm up for that. Yeah, cool. But it's not like I, I, I could have said, well, I'm not coming, am I? <laughs> but did, did you feel that he wanted you or that Michael wanted More you? More probably Michael. So, yeah. so I mean, you're basically this is on the back of, of, of kind of a small patch of wilderness in your England career. Mm-hmm. So, you you know, featured for England. Mm-hmm. How long had you gone without playing for them? Four years. Four years. Mm-hmm. So four-year hiatus. Mm-hmm. And then Steve gets on the phone. And... I don't want to take anything away from you here at all, but the way that you've just explained that, it's like Steve says, what can I do to make Michael happy? Michael wants a meal. I don't know if it's to make Michael happy in a sense like that, but he probably looked at it and said, well, he could be, he's, he's right. He, he's right. Let's let's get him yeah. in. Let's see. Let's, because uh, it got me in, it felt like he got me in and then it was a trial again. <laughs> wow. And how old were you at this point? Uh, what would I have been? 30? Yeah. So ridiculous. Yeah, 30. Yeah, not, yeah. Around that age. Yeah. And you're a pretty chilled out guy. Yeah, more than me. <laughs> Didn't it? No. Didn't it? No, no, no. I just got out there and play. Yeah. Um, by that time, it, it, I'd been out of it for four years. It's not like I don't know what international football is about. I'd played from the age of 16. 
So um, when when I say 16, I mean... Um, uh, in the Anders. Yes. Yeah. So um, I knew everything about it. You see other players that are coming in at, when they're 25, 26. It can be a little bit difficult. But when you've you've grown up within that, it's a little bit seamless when you just you can slot back in because you understand it a little bit more. Rio Ferdinand was quite outspoken and mentioned the fact that this fierce club rivalry halted England's progress at that particular point when everyone was saying that they should have gone and, and won a tournament mm-hmm. and that the international stage suffered because of that. And in the book, you say he was right when he said that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, um, it, it was there. But if we play, if we play together at uh, Liverpool, and then you've got we come together for the national team, and you've got Man United players there, we're going to sit here and they're going to sit there. We might cross over and and, and shout some across over at each other, but generally we're going to sit together. And I saw it when I was at Liverpool. So I went from Leicester to Liverpool with the Liverpool lads when going uh, national team, and then when I went back, I was a Wigan player. So no one else was in the squad with Wigan. So you was, were the first, weren't you? Uh, first I was the first signed player, but yeah. um, Chris Kirkland was on loan. Ah, okay. Um, but yeah, he was a Liverpool so player. So where on earth did you sit? Uh, well, with the rest. Okay. So you got your your, your little groups and then yeah. the rest of them who make up the rest of the squad is there. So do you think this is something that is never going to change? It's always going to be ingrained. It'll be difficult to change because when you look at the when you listen to the Scottish and the Irish when they get together it's all a party. <laughs> so they're all together, they all go out eating together and they'll, they they will organize all that. So it's kind of it's kind of woven together, whereas we're just... We, unless you have placemats that's got Emil here, Rio there, this person there, that person there, we're all just going to sit together. So hang on, this is this this is a great point and actually gives you a bit of insight into, into why those teams with these superstar players in didn't click for that amount of time. Why... Why couldn't players get over the rivalry and get on with playing for you their look country? At, you, look at, you look at what happened recently with... Raheem Sterling and uh, Joe Gomez coming from a game, just played against each other, rivals, now ch- coming together and trying to be teammates together. And it, it's ingrained. It's, it's, it's only just happened as well. So it's a difficult one to actually just separate yourself from them two uh, uh, teams and now be a, being a teammate. But surely that is the case for Germany, who at that period of, of when you were playing were having so much success. That would have been the same for their players. They'd have been Spain. playing a rival. Yeah. Look at Spain. Yeah. Spain have the biggest rivalry with the yeah. Barcelona and the Real Madrid. They, they're they kicking each other on the pitch and they're doing all sorts of... But then they come together and they, and they go and win the... But I, don't, I, don't, I, I haven't not got the answers, but yeah. Maybe it is placemats. <laughs> it could be. I think, and then you, then you I forced, think you're definitely then onto you're, something here. You're forced to speak to the person on your left for yeah. five minutes and then the person on your right for five. Football's version of speed dating, perhaps. <laughs> Make everyone talk yeah. talk to each other. How would you sum up your England career? Uh, good. I went to two World Cups and two Euros. I should have gone to three Euros, but mm. I never went to 06. No, World Cup, sorry. I never went to 06. And Is that I one of never... your biggest regrets? Uh, what Not, do you mean? Well, no, I went to two, so I'm happy. Yeah. Um, uh, the 08, we never qualified. I got injured and then uh, we never qualified, did we? So no. That was a tough one. When you were playing as well, it wasn't as much as what we're seeing nowadays, the fact that players were encouraged to open up about certain issues. <laughs> and now it feels like there is sort of a political aspect now that goes with being a professional footballer, if you want it. Yeah. You know, you've seen it in the women's game with Megan Rapinoe. You've seen it with Raheem Sterling, who's written brilliant articles. I think Andros Townsend recently did something about gambling for the, for the Players' Tribune. 
had you got your time again, would you have done more to do with the racism it, that you'd experienced? If, and if it was op- if if football was open to that, football wasn't open to that. Then um, you've got to remember, uh, regardless of regardless of what we could actually talk about, whether we when we're in private, we could have a good discussion. You weren't allowed to say certain things when you were when you go into the public, and again, there was this notion that footballers are stupid. That was something that had to keep put, people had to keep portraying that no, we shouldn't get involved in that because that's not your remit. Well, I've got a thought, I've got, a, I've got a view on that, I've got a view on this, and that, uh, why can't I? No, this is what you need to do. You just run around for ninety minutes and kick a ball. That's all it one they wanted us to 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 be and to look like. So we just stuck by that, and if we ever came out of that remit, we were kind of pushed back in. Mm. Um, who of the current crop of players who have spoken out, whether it is about racism, whether it's about mental health, who do you admire? Who do you think's well, done Raheem, a good job? Raheem was the first, and I admire him because it's not easy being the first, because that's the one who's going to get a lot of slapping and kicking. <laughs> the first guy always gets the most slaps and kicks, and then the ones after take less and less and less. And, mm. But he, he did it in a very, very smart way, where he's, he's making people look back at themselves. Rather than just having a point of pointing a finger, he made people look actually look at back at themselves and say, "Oh, okay, I understand now." Mm. Okay. And, it, and it was you could see it was ingrained yes, really yeah, in, yeah. in, in and attitudes. It will, it, yeah, and, it, and it's always been there. Um, you know, there's so many stories we can we can talk about. And but the thing is, no use us going back and saying, "No, yeah, but we that happened to us and we didn't." This. How but, many racist incidents a year do you think were thrown at you? A year. Mm. How often would you experience it? Well, the national team, you got it when you mainly when you went abroad. And there are incidents like, you know, yeah, Slovakia, yeah, Croatia. Yeah, 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 yeah. And unfortunately, that's not improved that much, has it, no, in certain no, sectors? No. So. Um, in, in our game, I never really got much. If domestically? Yeah, domestically, yeah. I never really got much. Um, but that doesn't mean it's not there because yeah. I could walk down the road and get... I, but I could walk down the road and get more than I did um, playing a football Playing match. on the pitch, yeah. yeah. And... <clears throat> I'm from Leicester, so um, I, I recently they had they said they had some um, forum, some uh, a BAME forum or something that I I, I went down and, and a lot of them are family friends that I grew up with next door to and everything. So it was interesting to see them and their point of view for it. So when I played um, Sunday league football, I never played Sunday league football in my area. Uh, for some reason, I went to uh, a a town, a small village outside, just on the outskirts of Leicester. It was because someone else's dad wanted me to play for them and they would pick me up and take me there. Um, and I was the only, well, at the time, I was the only black player playing. So I never really, I never got racism. Mm. But then hearing their point of view from racism, because there's, there's 10, 12, 14 black kids, it's totally different to mine. Mm. And I'm like listening to theirs and I'm thinking, well, why didn't I get that? Because I was the only one, I was actually the only one there. Mm. And then hearing theirs and people coming on the pitch trying to trip them up and people swearing, I call them all sorts of uh, 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 horrible names. Wow. And, you've, and this is kids. You've got way. seven children yeah, now. Yeah. And, and any going into football? Yeah, yeah. Two, the two youngest boys play. They're doing well, uh, enjoying it. So I'll just leave them. Are they with them. Manchester City yeah, still? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're enjoying it. Uh, I actually didn't want them to play, but I, their, their mum took them, so I'll just leave them. Can't have your jeans, can you? No. They're doing well. <laughs> um, as a Liverpool fan myself, I'm going to have to talk about the treble. Uh-huh. <laughs> Full declaration. Because that, yes. yeah. <laughs> that must be one of those periods of time where stuff just went 
right yeah and right everything and right yeah and the amount of games that you played and it just kept on going right yeah <laughs> you know? um you go to cup final and i think i think by the end of uh, that that season was just a phenomenal season so you know 2000 2001 yes um start of start the season off and we 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 we're doing well. We we're playing some really good football. Julier was fantastic, mm. by the way. And you're fairly new into the side. You've only yeah. been there since March, yes, right? Yes, yes, yes. I started playing, and then obviously me and Michael had a great a combination, mm. great relationship. And and again, we had uh, a lot of England players, so I kind of knew them as well. Mm. And then to go to to win the the League Cup, obviously first FA Cup, and then the then the um, UEFA Cup. The UEFA Cup, I I. I I, I tell people I actually don't remember the way from. Really? Play, we played sixty. Well, you played Roma, Olympiacos, Porto, yeah. Barcelona. No, in total that season we played sixty, sixty about sixty-two between sixty-two and sixty-five games. I played fifty. I think fifty-eight games. I don't. I it, I, I don't remember the last. <laughs> and I, I, this season, Liverpool could play if they get to every final. Sixty-five games yeah. is the treble on. <laughs> there you go. Oh yeah, definitely. You know yeah. when you're looking at the way they play as well, they're so confident. And I I I I, I didn't expect them to play the way they did when they actually beat Leicester, coming back from uh, uh, Qatar and jet lag. And then the flights and all that. The, the travelling alone takes a lot out of you. Mm. But to come back and play the way they did. Yeah, I know. Jeez. That was a marker, wasn't it? And, yeah. and And obviously, you know, going back to your own career, 2000, 2001, you're the first English side post-Heisel to win that UEFA Cup. Mm-hmm. So you were making history, playing Barcelona, and you had a shirt from Patrick Clivert. Yes. Yeah. So was. you can remember that. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. And I got Rivaldo's as well. Wow. And I have none of them either. Dad took them both. <laughs> what no, did he do? What yeah. did he do with them? Frame them? Yeah, he's got them. Yeah. He's got them and your on. trophies, what happened to those? Uh, the, 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 uh, my dad took some of them. Some of them got stolen and I've got one or two of them, I think. Are you yeah. sentimental? Uh, no. No. Not so really. for you, it's all about yeah, what's up in your yeah, head. Yeah, I would love to have them. At the end yeah, of, the day of with, course. But if I, if, I, if I lose them, if I get, it doesn't. I love the way that you spoke about Steven Gerrard mm-hmm. in the book because you said that he up close is one of the best players you've ever yeah, played with. Yeah, yeah. There were also points in your book where you spoke about Tony Cotty and we're talking a you know a huge period of time. Mm-hmm. Any others that really shone? Gary Mack was great. Gary Mack came to Liverpool at the same time as me. Gary Mack was 36 when he came to Liverpool. When he went to Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 36 yeah. when, and it made a difference. He was at the front of all the running at 36. I felt ashamed. Um, I was 22, uh, and and he became a father figure on the pitch and that leading that leading figure on the pitch for us that we needed because I was 22. Michael would have been 20, so Steve would have been 19. Yeah, uh, we had, and uh, you needed that presence. Yeah, 100%. I, mean, I mean, I can so strongly remember that time, yeah. and I can remember how he would, you know, in kind of sad moments, sort of almost hold you close. Yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, so we needed that senior figure. Yes, we had the energy. Yes, we had the uh, the skill and the strength. Mm. But you need that know how. And that was so perceptive of Julio, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. He, he knew was you very, needed it. Yeah, he was brilliant. Yeah. he was brilliant like that. You finished your career at Bolton. So you went off. You, you did Wigan, Villa. Mm-hmm. You went to play in the A League over in Australia for Newcastle Jets. You wanted to get back to play for an English club. Um, you went to Bolton, short term contract there. And in the book, you say. My heart keeps bringing me back to football. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really lovely yeah. thing to say. The thing is, that's all I've known. Yeah. 
from the age of nine, yes, I, I do say that my uh, my first love was athletics, but I, I, I played football from the age of nine, especially at Leicester, until thirty eight. So it's all I've known. And I would I would love to stay in it. Hence why I'm doing a course right now. Tell us about that then. So uh, you a UEFA course. It's a it's a uh, masters for international players. They've decided that they were, I think it was about three years ago. And it's funny because they offered me it three years ago. And I turned it down. Why? Uh, I wasn't ready mentally to get into a classroom. Yeah. Mm. It's uh, the classroom yeah, thing. Yeah. Like that was it. 16, the yeah, last time you were. Yeah. That was one. it. That was it. And two, two, two a year, well, what was it? Three or four years have gone by. But two different classrooms have gone. Uh, Jason Roberts did the first one. And Slim Petrov did the second one. Yeah, and I've spoke to spoke to them about it, and they said, "No, you got to do it. You've got to do it. This is what this mm-hmm. is what it's all about. We'll help you get through it." Blah blah. blah. I'm like, okay, <laughs> breathe. <laughs> well, you're in good good company. Yeah, two, does any 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 local do it? Any local do it? And now she's just gone to Aston Villa. Yep. There's so many who've done it. Bruno Sheru did it. Who I played with at Liverpool. He's the 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 manager of Paris Saint Germain Women's. So where are you going to go with this then? Are we seeing a director of football of the future? We hope so. Wow, that's really nice. We hope so. Yeah. We hope so. Um, it's, you know, what? if it's the only thing that you know, uh, but you've got to aim high. I aimed high when I was playing football, so why not when I take this next bit? Yeah, because you sort of quash the kind of coaching rumours about, yeah, about whether you do coaching. Everyone, but everyone wants, you've got uh, a real football brain. Yeah, right? and I think everyone see like, even when I finish playing, oh, go and get your badges. Why? What if I, you're not even asking me if I want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't I be higher up? Uh, so yeah, look, I I I I I love football. Um, my kids are playing it. So I hope they do very well. I still want to give back into back into football. So. Why not? Seems like a lovely place for us to stop. I'm wondering if I had any burning questions I haven't got to ask. There is one. Go on. It's to do with Wembley. Mm-hmm. I was intrigued that you you felt that the players liked being closer to the fans. That 2001 period mm-hmm. where you went round the country. Mm-hmm. I wondered if going forward that might be something that England could benefit I think, from. I think they, they're looking into that. I know that they're looking into that uh, for certain games that allowing the fans the, going on the road. Um, obviously, certain games you need to be in, in Wembley, 90,000. Uh, there's other games that particularly, that especially for like for the likes of Newcastle, I'm up in the northwest, so coming down here is two and a half hours to get down here. Then go to the game and then two and a half back up. Um, it's not easy at times, so having it in different places was was would be great for the them fans. But obviously, there's there's select games that you 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 have to have in in London. You have to have at Wembley. Mm-hmm. We know your life has been football, and. In the in the book, you reveal that Tony Cotty said to you, mm-hmm. "You've got to have something away yeah, from yeah, football." Yeah. What is your thing away from football? I didn't have one. <laughs> Do you have I one yet? Uh, no, this this course. <laughs> That's a football yeah, course. Yeah, no. <laughs> football away from football. Um, to be continued. Yeah, Netflix. Is, yeah, Netflix. Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, uh, as a young lad, you don't want to hear that from a senior pro, and it's not till you are older you think. Was he right? Yeah, because. Because I even tell people now, um, if you've if you're playing football and you can't get your mind off football, it can eat your way at you. Especially if you're not going through a great period at that time, it can eat your way. At you. If you've got some other things to do or you've got another uh, hobby or whatever it is, and you can take your mind away from it, at least you can give yourself a little bit of a, a relief. 
And you see these players uh, have mental uh, health problems where they can't get themselves can't out. Escape. Yeah, yeah. Mm. and it's 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 a bubble that is. And I and I was, I was lucky enough to get out of that bubble when I went to Australia. That's a long time to have been in that bubble, though. Yeah, and you're still sane. Yeah, just. Yeah, just about. <laughs> no, yeah. you are very, very relaxed. You, you are a very relaxed person. Yeah, yeah. And the privilege of social media nowadays, I think one of the solutions to this is dogs. Because a lot of players have dogs, have dogs now. You look at Alexis Sanchez's feed and um, there's loads of different Arsenal players actually have dogs. Mark Noble, mm-hmm. he used to bring his dog to training at West Ham. Maybe those sorts of interests. So, like taking them for a walk or something. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Rather than golf dogs. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, because you can get injured doing other things, but yeah, if you're just yeah. walking a dog. Unless the dog runs into you. The <laughs> <Yeah>. great Dane, <laughs> Beethoven. Um, oh, thank you we so wish much. You all the best. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for, yeah, thank you for joining us. No and problem. we wish you all the best with the book as well. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this week's Offside Rule exclusive. To hear more just like this one, you can go to available episodes where you can hear from the likes of former England strikers Jermaine Defoe, Kelly Smith and others. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Offside Rule Pod and you can also subscribe so you can be the first to hear our new episodes. The Offside Rule is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Media. Sports Social Podcast Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.